This morning is the second week in a five-part series of messages that we're just calling it When My World Falls Apart. When My World Falls Apart. Next week, we'll take a break from that, uh, but then out, right out of Easter, we're going to kind of finish this series. But this is a series about suffering. It's about suffering in this world and a series about when people we love die. And it's a series about cancer and tragedy uh, accidents, losing your job, whatever that is to you. And the question that we're simply asking is, when our world falls apart, how will we respond? How will you respond? And it's not a matter of if your world will fall apart. It's a matter of when. And you know that. And many of us in this place have gone through significant things in your life, whether that's losing someone you love or a cancer diagnosis in your body or somebody that you care about. I mean, the list goes on and on. We have little versions of this that are seasonal and we have big, massive things that sometimes uh, don't end the way that we want them to. It's a matter of this is going to happen and when it does in our lives, how are we going to respond? Because if if you were here last week, we started this by just saying, uh, you know, we quoted that song that Kelly Clarkson wrote or whatever, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But we also said, but a second piece to this, or what doesn't kill you makes you bitter. And we have seen this countless times in our church family that when, when people, when their world falls apart, their faith falls apart with it. And we have chairs in this place where, that are empty and used to be filled by people. A lot of people who used to come to this church and now they are no longer here and they're no longer in any church simply because when they went through a difficult thing, their understanding of God fell apart as well. And we talked about how many, many Christians, this is last week we started this conversation, many, many Christians in our churches have an inaccurate view, an inaccurate understanding of suffering in this world. And we often throw around these sayings that simply are not true and are not what the Bible said. In fact, in two weeks, coming right out of Easter, we are, I'm going to attack some of the things that we say as Christians that are just flat out not right. Get ready for that one. You're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun. You're going to be like, oh man, I say that all the time. Okay, we're going to fix, we're going to fix some of that because if you have an inaccurate view of this stuff, if you have an inaccurate view of suffering in this world from a biblical perspective, when difficulty comes, it ha- the, you will be tempted to have your faith weakened weakened, and sometimes even completely destroyed. And so our goal in this is just to build a foundation uh, in you and in all of us, a biblical understanding of suffering in this world, so that when our world falls apart, we can actually experience God in a greater way. Sound like a good deal? Yeah, 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 that's good stuff. Last week, last week we began to say things like, uh, like, when God is your goal, suffering can be good which for some of us doesn't make any sense, but that's a biblical thing. And the Apostle Paul, he, in the book of Philippians last week, everything I am, everything I do, he says, it's about knowing Christ. I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection by experiencing his power in the grave and his love uh, and all of that. But that's only half of it because the bottom line for last week was just simply there is a part of Christ that we cannot fully know without suffering. 
That's crazy. There's a part of Christ we cannot know, okay, but it's because it's actually through suffering that we begin to know Jesus in a different way, a more powerful way than we ever have before. That was last week. Uh, Today we're going to build on that. I thought that was a great introduction. Aren't you happy that you came? Yeah, that's good. So please stand with me all over this place. Let's read from Romans chapter 5. One of the main core things that the Apostle Paul is going to say about suffering right in this spot. It's not the only spot. He says this, almost this exact thing, and someone else says this later. We're going to look at this. So the Bible, this is a common theme right here. But Romans chapter 5, verse 1, here we go. He writes, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Let's pray. God, we just give this to you every moment, every word, every piece, every part, and just pray for you to do significant things. Let your word speak such clarity to us right now. We give this to you in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. Let's go. Uh, All right, bring it back to me here. I know there's a lot of us and we're excited and all that. Yesterday, I was suffering a little bit on my treadmill. Anyone ever done that before? It's been a long winter. Haven't exactly done the best job of, uh, of staying in shape and stuff. And so um, I'm at this spot where I'm trying to get back in and I'm running and it's not good. It's hard. Like my lungs, my body aches. It's, anyone understand what I'm feeling, okay? Uh, it's no fun. And, and so I have, we have this treadmill in and then it has this screen and on the screen, we have a, there's a video that you kind of run with. Some of you have seen this stuff before. And so there's a guy on the screen, and he's running, and um, I'm watching him and running with him, and he's talking to me and telling me things. And he's actually, it's kind of cool for me, and some of you will understand why, but he's running. He, this entire running thing I'm doing with him is through the country of Uzbekistan. And he's going through, and he's teaching about things. So it's so cool. So I'm just running. It keeps your mind out of, of that type of stuff. But at one point, he said something. Uh, and he, he kind of laughed about it. He's like, he's like, uh, okay, we're, we're heading to this spot where it's going uphill, and the treadmill actually like adjusts as he goes uphill, the treadmill goes uphill, and so all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my goodness, and he goes, this is going to be challenging, and then he said this statement. He said, he said, if something doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you, and I said, and I heard him say that, and I was like, oh my goodness, you know, and, 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 let, and let's be realistic about it. You can be changed by God through reading his word and through all of those types of, absolutely. But in life, as a whole, our greatest growth doesn't come when we are on the mountaintops in life. Our greatest growth, whether that's physically in getting your body in shape or whether this, it comes through our challenges. It comes through the difficult things that we face. Now, this is a biblical thing that we see again and again. And, and I want to start just kind of with the bottom line for you to write down. Write this down if you're taking notes, and then you can kind of doze off once we get past this because everything else is just going to come back to this. And I'm joking. Don't doze off. 
But here, write this down if you're taking notes. We often look back on suffering in a positive way because we now realize what it produced. We often look back at suffering in a positive way because we now realize what it, uh, what it produced. And, and not always. I understand, like, it's hard to look back at it, something like the Holocaust and say, wow, that was great. See what it, pro- no, like six million people died. How in the world could that, okay, so there's holes in this. I understand. It's hard to look back sometimes even at the loss of someone that you love uh, and think that's positive. It's hard to look back at trauma and some of the things that some of us have went through in your past. Like, I, I don't mean to make light of any of that type of stuff, but understand there are many, many things in our lives where the difficult situations that we go through and the difficult things that we face Later, you will look back at that and say, wow, that was actually beneficial to me. And if we understand this, then it can begin to change some things in our life. A a few years ago, our staff, the pastors, read a book. Uh, The book was called The Power of Moments. The Power of Moments. It's not a Christian book, uh, but it was a great read. Fantastic to actually read this secular book from the perspective of Christianity, it was a really fantastic thing. But the book spent time focusing on the individual moments in our lives that impact us the most, both good and bad and all of these types of things. And throughout this book, it was, the book was filled with statistics and surveys that were done in massive numbers of people. At one point, uh, a, a research poll was done asking people to name the single most influential event in their life. And of course, many people listed things like the day they got married or the birth of a child, stuff like that. But they found something, something interesting when, when asked to name the most influential event of their life, four out of 10 people listed a negative event. 40% of the people listed a negative event. A negative event. And, and some of us can understand this because influential doesn't necessarily mean positive. It, it means what influenced you the most. A divorce can be influential. Losing a parent can be influential. You get the idea. But four out of 10 people listed a negative event in their life. Uh, they also found that people talked about some of these negative events in a very positive way, though. Check this out. In their research, uh, in this massive survey they did, 45% of people who had a serious illness characterized the event as having a positive impact in their life. Think about that for a moment. Almost half of the people who went through a serious medical condition of some sort, almost half of them look back on that event now and say that event had a positive influence in my life. That's crazy. And some of us in this place are in the middle of a serious medical event in your body and in your life. Understand there is a good chance, and and I'm gonna even say it this way. If you are in the middle of a difficult situation and you can't see out and you don't know what's gonna happen and all of that, there is a good chance that in the future you will look back on that event in a positive way. As interesting as that is, as unbelievable as that is for, for the way you feel now and the things you're facing now, there's a good chance that you're going to look back because you see what that produced in your life. 
in the middle of the valley, it doesn't make sense. And this is, this is the idea and the thought. It's exactly what we see the Apostle Paul write in Romans chapter 5. Uh, last week, uh, again, the, the Apostle Paul lived through some of the most horrendous things that we as people could even uh, understand and imagine. In fact, in my personal reading of the Bible this week, I was reading the second part of the, part of the book of Acts. And much of that, much of the book of Acts is about the Apostle Paul. He's on trial multiple times in front of kings and people who have the ability to kill him. He's put in prison, locked up multiple different times. He was shipwrecked. One of the times that he's, he's in prison and they're shipping him across the Mediterranean Sea. And so he has a guard. He's in chains on this boat. And the boat ends up this like hurricane type of thing, takes the boat out, and they end up stranded on this island. The guard is like feeling like he should kill the prisoners because if prisoners escape, the guard takes the penalty in that time. And so this is Paul in this entire thing. He gets off on the island and within like, within a short period of time, a poisonous snake bites him. This is the story you're reading in the book of Acts with him. And eventually though, Paul, Paul is going to be killed in Rome for his faith in Jesus. This is who is writing this stuff. So when we got somebody writing about suffering, understand this is a dude that has suffered forever and ever and ever, over and over and over. All right, so here we go. We read this a moment, but let's go through this. Verse one, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. What we have here is really Paul's version of the gospel of Jesus. He, he builds the foundation of faith in Jesus is what justifies us. That's the word he uses. The word justifies simply means to be judicially vindicated, which is a fancy way of saying to be declared innocent. And so two chapters before this, in chapter 3, Romans 3, Paul has made the case that we're all guilty. We're all guilty. We are all sinners. But though we are sinful, though we are guilty, in the eyes of God, now we are declared and uh, we are declared innocent. How? Through our faith is what he says. And much of the theology of Christianity, no matter what kind of church you go to, the Christian, much of that comes from Paul's, his writing of the book of Romans. Though we are sinful, we are, and we are guilty in the eyes of God, we are declared innocent. In Ephesians, a different letter, Paul's going to tell us that it's not by doing works that we are saved. It's not by doing anything. It's only by the grace of our God, and it's through this deep down belief, this deep down understanding of our own sin and our understanding of what Jesus did. And there's this moment where we take our own sin and we begin to put our trust in Jesus and what he did. And the scripture says, you are justified in that moment. You are declared innocent in that moment and righteous and all of those things. Though you didn't deserve it, though you didn't earn it, you have that now because of what Jesus has done. That's the gospel of Jesus. Don't let anybody tell you that you have to be baptized to be saved, that you have to go through confirmation class to be saved. That's not Bible. Okay, just understand that. Those things, I, I'm not against that stuff. We baptize people, we love to do that. That's a biblical thing. But when it comes to being forgiven and being free, it is only by Jesus and what he has done. All right, so just understand that. All right, I'll get off that box for a minute. Okay, but he continues, and this is really where we're getting to today. Right out of that, 
he writes this in verse 3, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Let's talk a moment about this word glory because we typically don't use the word glory as a verb like this, so it's kind of a weird word for us. Uh, Paul originally wrote this letter in Greek, and we have an English translation of it is what we have. So some of the words are translated and used in ways that we don't typically use that. This particular Greek word is translated into English a number of different ways. It's, uh, it's the word to boast. It's the word, to, it's the word like to be proud. Uh, it could also be celebrate or rejoice are different ways that this word, uh, in fact, Paul actually uses this same word in verse 2 when he says, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. That's the same, that's the same Greek word, boast and glory. We have translated two different ways right there. Uh, we boast in our sufferings. If you have a different Bible with you, you know, we, we have different translations of the Bible that we're reading, even in English, you probably have a different word than what I have on the screen. More than likely, though, it's either rejoice or celebrate. So what Paul is really saying here, and there's no one that really argues this, is that like we, not only do we rejoice and celebrate what God has done and the faith that we have in, and how that has justified us and all of that stuff, not only do we celebrate that, but we also celebrate and we rejoice in our suffering. We rejoice in that. And now this isn't like, Yay, my mom is sick. Like, that's weird. That's not what this is. Don't miss this. Uh, but there's this sense of anticipation scripturally here. I'm not saying we all feel this. This is hard. This is deep. This is difficult. There's this sense of anticipation for Paul that when he goes through the valley, he sees this in a little bit of a different way than we do. When he goes through a difficulty, whatever that is, he is not saying, oh, stink, God, get me out of this. He's saying, let's go. Because I now understand I have an opportunity to see God do something. I have an opportunity to see God move in my life. And I have an opportunity to know God in a deeper way because I understand what suffering produces in my life. Paul has looked back at the stuff that he has gone through and says, suffering has been good for me. As weird as that is, this is one of the core people in the New Testament writing this. Okay, And here's the direction he takes it. He says, we glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Suffering, suffering produces perseverance. Uh, and the word that is translated suffering, it's defined this way, an oppressive state of physical, mental, social, or economic adversity. All right, so just understand that. The, the word translated perseverance, it's often translated as endurance. You maybe have it that way in your Bible. It's the power to withstand hardship or stress. So when we experience affliction, from the definition of suffering, when we experience suffering, whether that's physical, emotional, mental, that suffering actually produces in us the ability to withstand hardship and stress in a different way in the future. First of all, is what he's saying. Anybody ever tried to learn to play the guitar? Okay, anyone successful at it? A couple of us, maybe. Like, how many of you failed at it? You're like, I wanted to, and I was terrible. When you begin, when you begin to, to, to try to play the guitar, do you know what happens almost immediately? Your fingers 
feel like they're going to fall off. In fact, there are some kids, as, 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 as I've tried to help them with different things, they'll come in and their fingertips are bleeding. They have sores on the tips of their fingers immediately. And they're pushing down on the things because this is how you play the guitar. You take your, the tip of your finger and you push a string down and you're doing that multiple at a time. And when your finger, when you start with that, there is, it hurts so much. You're going, ah, this is, what am I doing? This is no fun at all. Understand. But do you know what happens over time is your fingertips get stronger and they produce these little calluses. And so if you go up to anyone, if you go up to Jeremy right now who was playing the guitar today and you would take his left hand and you would look at his fingertips, you would feel these little hard pieces of skin right on the end. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Someone want to touch him right now and feel his fingers? No, we're not good, okay? But you understand, like your fingertips are now stronger because of the pain that you went through. Now that is like a super simplistic version of an example of this, but um, well, how many of you like to run? I just talked about running and we have 30 for freedom coming up, but listen, you start running and it hurts, it's no fun. It's awful. All Like your lungs ache, your side aches, you can't breathe, you're going slow, you're walking part of it. But after a while, your body begins to change and your lungs get stronger and your legs get stronger. And now like you can run that same 12 minute mile you started at and you're like, this is cake. Uh, you know, uh, this is exactly what, what Paul is saying, but instead of your fingertips or your lungs, Paul here is talking about our faith. He's talking about spiritual stuff. He's talking about God and the way that we relate to him. When we suffer, it builds endurance. It builds perseverance in our faith. What one pastor wrote it this way, one of the primary purposes of being shaken by suffering is to make our faith more unshakable. Suffering produces perseverance. Now that's just the beginning because there's like a three-step little level up that Paul's going to give us. Suffering produces perseverance. Verse 4, then he says perseverance produces character and character produces hope. Now, Now the root word of the of the Greek word that we have character here has to do with something that has been tested. That's the word, the word character. Like you put something through a series of tests and in the end it is proven to be reliable or proven to be true. They take gold and they put it through certain tests, whether that's fire or purifying or whatever they do, and they determine its worth. They determine its character by how the tests came out, and that is what this word is. So difficult situations in our lives produce endurance and perseverance, the ability to better handle future things that come our way, future difficulties, and the ability to better handle difficult situations in turn produces character, which is something that has, is proven to be reliable or true after testing. Suffering produces perseverance, per perseverance, character, and character produces hope. Now, hope for us might be a strange word for it to be in this spot, like 
But understand this, when we see suffering in an unbiblical way, when we see suffering as nothing but bad all the time, suffering is negative, suffering equals bad in any sort of way in our life, it causes us now to see God in an inaccurate way. And when suffering comes, what results is a lack of confidence in God. I don't understand, God. I am facing this, but my understanding of you is this. So now, because I'm facing this, I no longer have the same confidence in what I thought about you. And so the confidence, in a way, becomes shaken, or you could say now we have a lack of hope in God. The level of hope is not there in the same way. The opposite of hope is the word hopeless or despair. So understand, Paul says suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. Here's what he's saying in a super basic way, okay, so even Pastor Corey can understand it, right? (laughs) We're related, so I can say stuff like that, so don't get offended for him. All right. We're okay. (laughs) Here we go. When we go through difficult things in this world, those things build our endurance. They build our ability to handle difficulty, which in turn proves our faith, which leads to a deeper, clearer understanding of who God is and how he works in the midst of our lives, and in the midst of our suffering. James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, wrote it this way. Same stuff as Paul, written in slightly different language. This is James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Suffering, uh, or what he says, trials equals perseverance. Suffering, in, in other words he used, equals mature and complete. Bottom line for today, suffering strengthens faith. Suffering strengthens faith. Music Tim, will you please come? Suffering strengthens faith, but not always. And this is the point. This is the, this is the reason we are doing this entire message series, is because this is what is available to us in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of the seasons in your life when it feels like your world is falling apart, this is what we have the ability to have happen. And many of us in this place, you have looked back at some of the, the, the nasty things you went through and you, and you now say, my relationship with God is better because of that. A good friend of mine who, who went, had a massive life of addiction and trauma, was in the military, had all sorts of things, has some baggage from that type of stuff. I I just saw this week, he had written right on social media, he said, I thank God for the mess of my life because it's how I found him. You have an opportunity 
You have an opportunity in the midst of your difficulty to turn to God and to see him be true and real. Now, what I am not promising you, I'm not promising you that it is going to end the way that you want it to end. I'm not promising you that someone is not going to die. In fact, in fact, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I had a good friend, a good pastor friend of mine who I've worked with in different places who passed away this week. He was quite a bit older than me. But I looked up to him in so many different ways. He was this kind man and he used to travel around the state and worked in hospitals and he would sit by people who were dying of whatever and he would sit there with them and hold their hand and this is just who he was. About a decade ago, he was finishing a seven-year stint with cancer and he was on his deathbed. This is a decade ago. And supernaturally, out of the hospital, God like shocked the doctors. They said, I don't understand this. This scan shows your body is full of cancer and you are dying. This scan shows now nothing. It was a supernatural thing. And where he comes out of that. Now, here's why I share that. He died this week. His supernatural healing was temporary. And so understand this, not to be morbid about this entire thing, but your healing, you will never be fully, fully healed this side of heaven. We are all getting older. We are all, and even in this moment right here, if God moves on your behalf and and heals your loved one in a supernatural way, it is a temporary healing in this world. Over the years, there's a common theme that I hear from people who go through extremely difficult seasons. Some absolutely lose their faith. Their world falls apart, so does their understanding of God. But the other side is so equally true. And again and again, as a pastor, I have walked with people through pain only to watch them come out the other side stronger in their faith. It happens over and over again, saying things like, I have experienced God more in the past few months than years and years before. I have watched God work in ways now that are incredible, and my relationship with God is stronger now than before that. If we understand suffering in this world as an opportunity, we can now see God work and move and do things in an incredible way. Please stand with me all over this place. God, we open our hearts and open our minds to you today. Your very word seems to say things that to our human understanding do not make sense. How can suffering be good? How can pain be good? Oh God, how can a loved one going through that be a good thing and produce anything good? God, we we are amazed by you And we ask that you would help us and that you would teach us and that you would show us things, God. We love you. We need you. In your name, we pray. I do want to take a moment and just pray kind of corporately over our church family, who many are in the midst of some heavy stuff. We have multiple cancer situations. We have chemotherapy and stuff happening. We have people who have lost loved ones very recently in our church family. And the heaviness of all of this is very real for some of you today. And... And I I want us to be the body of Christ. We can say to each other, suffering is good. 
because we know what it produces and we turn to our neighbors and we say amen because we're not the ones in the middle of it right now. It's much harder to see that and we want to be there for each other. If you are if you are in this place today and you just consider your situation, what you are facing right now, very difficult. Whatever that means for you, I'm not even defining that. If you are in the midst of that, I just want you to lift up your hands so that we can just kind of pray for you. And I want to I want you to be in our prayers. And so don't be ashamed of that. Don't be weird about that. We're all we're all either we're we're either going into that in the middle of it or coming out of it, you know, is kind of what we say. And so we have many people. If you have someone just next to you, will you just kind of put a hand on a shoulder and just let them know that we are there? And so, God, we pray right now for our friends, our family members, our church family who is in the midst of heaviness and difficulty and suffering. And God, we pray, I pray that we would that we would know you more because of this. I pray that our faith would be strengthened because of this and that you would work and we would experience you in the midst of some of the darkest valleys we ever face. We do pray and ask for miracles, God. We pray for that, but Lord, we just pray. We pray right now for those here, even for people behind the screen today, many people who are not even here in physical in this physical place because of the stuff. Lord, we pray for help. We pray for rest. We pray that you would, God, for those who feel like their world is falling apart, let this be used for your glory. We give this to you, God. For some of us here today, you have never truly even responded to the message of Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. It's a story. We talked about this today. You can be justified. You can be declared innocent in the eyes of God only through what Jesus did for you. And if you will, if you will admit inside that you are broken and that you are sinful, and you will turn to Jesus and say, I believe in what you did. Then the scripture says you can be saved. It's saved from your sin. And if that's you here today and you would say, I have never done that. I've never made that decision for myself with no one looking around just for a moment, a time of privacy and reflection. If that's you, just show me your hand. I just want to pray for you. You're saying today is my day. I want to make that decision. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Multiple hands, at least four. Anyone else? Just a moment longer. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Let's pray this together, church. It's not magic words. It doesn't work like that. It's a heart thing. It's a heart thing between you and God. But let's pray. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray, amen. Come on, put your hands together, everybody.